Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, guys? This is Alex Nicholas, the host of the CUSA podcast, along with my partner, my compadre, Dave West, out in Birmingham, Alabama. Dave, what's going on, man? It is the 12th edition of the CUSA Hoopscast here. And, bro, we got two weekends left. The Saturdays are starting to figure themselves. And how about them fucking miners, bro? Man, you totally caught me off guard. I was really, really busy just going over, you know, a couple of power teams that UTEP lost to in December, Northern Arizona and Maryland Eastern Shore. You know, just just checking in on their seasons. You know, a couple resume-building wins that the Miners, you know, uh, didn't get in December. And, hey, like you said, you know, everybody gets lucky every now and then. And and apparently y'all got a little bit of a winning streak going on right now. But if we had Lee Moore – if we had Josh McSwiggin, we had Vince Hunter, and we had Isaac Hamilton, bro, Isaac we're Hamilton. right there fighting for a bid. We're right there battling <laughs> for a bid with, with, with Middle Tennessee, man. We're battling for an auto bid. But, yeah, definitely we talk, we kind of touched on it last week, and, and you made the statement, Dave, that the standings, regardless of pretty much what happened last week, the, the standings were going to kind of shift. And sitting looking at it what we were looking at last week, I really honestly felt that it would be UAB and Marshall kind of having that stakehold into that, you know, in that driver's seat for the third and fourth seed. But now it's UTEP. Rice keeps their, keeps their name in the pot a little bit. But pretty much it's coming down to Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, UTEP, Rice, Marshall with that outside shot, UAB mathematically with the shot. But it's it's kind of crazy, and I guess we'll start with UTEP here. Like you mentioned, this is a UTEP team that just looked horrible. It looked like a team that wasn't going to get in the double digits like I wrote earlier today. This team is is slowly finding that niche defensively. We were texting about that point zone defense that that they were playing, and I feel now that that they still have a lot of work to do. I think Louisiana Tech and and, 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 and Louisiana Tech and Middle Tennessee, this is their, basically their race to lose heading into Birmingham. My question to you, Dave, on the outside looking in, though, is this UTEP team should be taken for real? Let's talking about maybe on a Thursday or a Friday night in Birmingham, or, or are you sold completely on UTEP yet? Or, or I'm not personally. I still think this team has has some holes, but I mean, you can't really deny the fact that this team is nine and two. They beat everybody in that top four except Louisiana Tech. But is this team a, a team that, that's going to worry a Middle Tennessee, going to worry a Louisiana Tech on a Friday or a Thursday in the Conference USA tournament? Yeah, I think they will. And I was totally just messing around earlier. I'm I, I'm pretty bought in to the way UTEP is 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 playing right now, and because of two reasons, and these two reasons are the are what make Conference USC Conference USA teams good late February, early March, uh, the past couple of years. It starts with experience and savvy guard play. And it start in, in, in conjunction with de- with really good defensive play. I mean, you can look back to Old Dominion last year. Old Dominion had its ups and downs all season. I mean, nothing to the extent of UTEP, but that's what got them in that conference final uh, in Birmingham in the tournament. And in heck, they 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 they, uh, they had a chance to win it. I mean, they're borderline tournament team last year, and that's what UTEP has. UTEP is playing in such a way, and they're scheming in such a way that their lack of depth. Is it's not becoming a factor. Uh, it's just, it's an extraordinary coaching job by Floyd, and maybe it may be his assistants, but I, I'm just I'm, I can't believe it. Even Kim Pomeroy, uh, he tweeted out a couple days ago about the amazing job that that Floyd and his staff have been doing. When Pomeroy goes out of his way and he 
complements a team, that means they've done something like statistically by the numbers that's such an anomaly and such a uh, an outlier that that he ha- like he can't but not make a comment about it. And I'm impressed, man. I'm just a little bit worried about their final their end of the schedule because their last four games are a lot tougher than Tech's um, um, last four games. But I still think they have a really good opportunity of sitting in that four or five, you know, three to four or five spot. I don't see them falling from there. I, I think FAU. I think FAU and FIU put up a fight. These are two teams that kind of started this, uh, you know, UTEP run. UTEP took both of them to overtime, you know, about a month ago at home. Uh, you know, obviously FIU with, with the big uh, buzzer beat that artists hit, and then you go next, you come up on Saturday, and FAU takes it overtime and they're able to overcome that. But you're correct. I mean, it's crazy to think that this team a couple of months ago were sitting here you know, dissing the lack of deck, dissing the lack of, of basketball IQ and Purdue and the lack of producers. And now Paul Thomas is conference USA player a week with a humongous week. And, and you know, albeit this stretch has been against, you know, the lesser team. So my next question, I guess to you, and I, I kind of throw this out of left field. And I was thinking about this earlier. Um, you know, the conference is definitely very, very, very top-heavy with Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee, UAB's talent. I'm always – with UAB's talent, I'm always going to throw them in there in terms of a top-four team, even though they're looking on the outside in, sixth place or whatever they may be. But is this – is UTEP's run kind of – is this why Conference USA does not get that respect? Because a team like UTEP can, can, knock, off, can knock off Middle Tennessee, can knock off – UAB and, and kind of run the table against these quote unquote weaker schools like your FAUs or Southern Miss who UTEP did lose to, but you kind of get where I'm saying. Is that a product of this conference kind of being weak or, you know, do we need to give the minors their due credit for this run here? I, I certainly think they deserve the credit, but I think you bring up a really good point. And I was talking to someone today on direct message, um, someone I really respect. I can't give his name, but he's been, uh, writing for UAB, the Kaleidoscope, the student paper, as well as a couple national media um, outlets for about 35 years. And in his opinion, and he this kind of um, agrees with you and I of what we've been watching since November and December, the conference as a whole is better this year. But the uh, the problem is it's 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 much more competitive this year in the middle. The middle, um, you know, the one through nine, those teams just are just knocking off each other left and right. I mean, UAB is a great example. We beat two teams by 15-plus points, and then we go to their place and lose by 15-plus points. That, that's just the kind of the league we have right now. And, uh, but fortunately, we do have middle at the top, um, and, and, and our guest here in a little bit at 715, he's, he's going to kind of preach on this. They developed such a resume that – if they can get by the next three games, I don't. I think no matter what they do in the conference tournament, I think they're going to be in good shape. But um, you know, to kind of wrap up this little rant that I just went on, I think the conference as a whole has gotten better this year. Uh, I, but I really think the middle has just gotten really, really competitive. The middle towards the top. Um, I mean, it wouldn't even shock me if UAB beats Middle Tennessee this Sunday. I mean, we're in. The, we have that kind of conference parity going on right now. To be cliche, but. Yeah, but as far as, as UTEP goes, they deserve every bit of, of, of the love and the credit that they've been getting because, I mean, their backs were against the wall. And you, you – I mean, you of all people, you did not even see this coming. Am I right? Hell no, but still blindsided. I was blindsided on that comeback with North Texas. You know, North Texas played some mm-hmm. damn good basketball on Thursday. They played some really very inspired, high-level, high-octane basketball. 
Yeah, they do. And we've talked about that. I mean, as much as we've, me, as I shitted on Tony Benford, I've never denied the fact that this, the reason why I'm so fired up is because they have talent. Ryan, Ryan Wolfridge yes. is definitely going to become a, a face in this name that we're going to talk about over the next couple of years. I agree. And yeah, you know, this, this totally blindsided me. And, and you made a good point about, uh, you know, about Middle Tennessee. And we're going to bring in Chris Dobertson here in a minute, uh, SB Nation bracketologist, SB Nation college basketball god, if you want to call him that uh, guy that I have a lot of respect for and worked with the past couple of years, uh, been able to work with here at SB Nation. And, you know, that, that was kind of my next question. You answered my next question about Middle Tennessee's kind of, you know, bubble run, I guess you could say, bubble watch. And, and you made a good point. You, you win their next three, especially against UAB. You know, that's going to be a good win for them. And, and that, I think that is really showing how good this team is going to be. Whether with the first time since Memphis has been here where Conference USA team can pretty much lock up a top 30 RPI before the conference season ends. And now their only worry about really is just getting to that championship game. Am I right? In, in, in the tournament, yeah, it, Birmingham, that is. Yeah, that, that's, that's – I mean, I even think they could possibly – if they do win these next three games, uh, with UAB being one of those wins, I think they could possibly even have like an early exit like UAB did last year, losing um, their first game after their first round bye. And what Middle's done recently that I didn't necessarily see coming, but, they, uh, but they've done what's made them so much better and so much stronger and, and more difficult to beat. They developed some pieces uh, outside of the, the, of the big three. Uh, Brandon Wal- Walters is, is, has become one of the real true big men in his, in his conference. He's getting some serious minutes. I mean, he's 6'10", 260. And he went in there, and he just bodied against Middle, and he bodied against Western Kentucky. And that's just taxing on teams in Conference USA. And then you throw Ja'Cory Williams in there after Brandon's beat you up for, you know, five, six minutes. And um, Xavier Habersham's another guy. He's 6'6", 200. Uh, he's become a really, really consistent three-point shooter, and that's what they needed that they didn't have early in the year. Um, you get Giddy goody Potts in foul trouble they really were limited in their perimeter shooting. and But Habersham has become just a really, really, really good guard. It's a bigger guard uh, for, for this conference. But they're dangerous, man. Uh, they're real dangerous. Like, I've seen many people, many pundits say they're a second weekend of the tournament kind of team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we, we'll talk about that more in a couple five minutes. In five minutes when we, when we bring our guests on, we'll look at their resume, what they've done in non-conference. But, man, I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch them against Marshall – but it was a damn clinic, man. It, it, yep. I mean, it was nothing like I've, I've seen anybody do in this conference this year. That one three one was just ridiculous. I think I didn't really watch it fully, but I, but I saw a, a, probably like a three or four minute stretch where Middle Tennessee's one three one was so spread out effectively, and, and, and the pressure that they were putting on certain spots of the court was like Kermit Davis watched the exact film and, and looked at every spot. Marshall likes to move the ball up against a press or against one of those attacking defenses and was like, we're going to have a guy here. We're going to have somebody backside. We're going to have somebody. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was a clinic, just like you said. And that's going to, that, that's going to be real interesting to see. Also what's going to be real interesting to see develop is that player of the year uh, talk that we've been kind of playing with a little bit, but let's get into it here before we have a couple minutes before Chris Dobbert uh, jumps on here. A no good basis to always look at, and I, I kind of agree. I think Dave agrees with me, is that the Conference USA all Ken Palm dot uh, com team that that kind of gets refreshed every week. And this week, I, I we talked about it last week. Right now, the top five are Jacory Williams, 
Reggie Upshaw, Eric McCree, Giddy Potts, and John Elmore, according to Ken Palm. But we're, we both agreed that when, Giddy, when, when Reggie went scoreless against UTEP, we kind of throw him off the board. So that moves Eric McCree in that two spot. Now, the third and fourth spot, we were kind of debating whether it would be either a combination of Marcus Evans or Igor Kulichov. But uh, they struggled mightily against UTEP, and they fell in off this all Ken Palm thing, you know, list here, this kind of projection. And I kind of agree with it. I think now it's really turning into that two-horse race between Ja'Cory Williams, Eric McCree. Not saying Igor's totally done. We've been really high on him and Marcus Evans. But I think this past Saturday really, really hit, took a hit on their candidacy. Do you kind of agree on that? And do you have any other thoughts about who it could be or my way off topic on that? But I just really feel it's Ja'Cory Williams and Eric McCree to lose at this point. Yeah, it's, it's a rare occasion in Conference USA in the last 20 years that they've picked a guy uh, for a team that's not like in the top, you know, one or two, three teams. It, it just doesn't happen. It, it, it's yeah. even more rare. They, 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 they never pick transfers, like one-year plug-and-play guys like Ja'Cory Williams. Uh, I mean, this happened last year with um, James Kelly at Marshall. I mean, he was a stud. I mean, he was a Miami transfer, one-year guy, and he came in and just – Played, you know, had like a, I think he averaged like 20 or 21 points a game and like nine rebounds, but they gave him newcomer of the year. And that's what Ja'Cory's going to get too. So what we really have in front of us is a two-man race with Eric McCree at Louisiana Tech. He is just he's, – he's, he's the top. He's the number one right now in my opinion. He's got, he's got the stats to prove it. He's got his ball club second in the conference. And then you got Reggie Upshaw in second, and I think they're, he's even – the only reason he's in contention, in my opinion, is almost like a, a career lifetime achievement award, if you will, for four years of being a you know, pretty consistent starter and getting his team to the tournament probably two years in a row, you know, you know having good grades and all that, staying out of trouble. That's why I think he's in contention, and his team's number one uh, right now currently. So, But with all that being said, it's Eric McCree's to lose. Uh, Mark Adams ran off a series of tweets today that just talked about how incredible he is, man. He, he's got uh, – he's 12th most in the whole country in 2010 games. He has six of those. Oh, and he's shit. one of only 11 – yeah, he's one of only 11 players with 175 made field goals, 50 made threes, and 100 made free throws. And on that list, he's the only one that's a power forward. They're all guards. That's how versatile he is. And he's 6'8", like 220. Yeah, and, and we've talked about it kind of being a lifetime achievement award, quote-unquote, in the past. I, I definitely look at Speedy Smith's award, you know, that he won a couple of years ago. Yeah. And he may, didn't have the greatest, uh, you know, seasons that particular season. But I think you got to give it to McCree in that sense. I mean, McCree, obviously, a Murray State transfer. I believe I'm right. He was from Murray State. He's came in and he's just he been did. kind of a terror, particularly for UTEP. He's been a, a UTEP killer. That's kind of where I'm speaking myself. I've seen him do some of his better damage there. But no doubt about it, a guy that, uh, you know, that's kind of it, – it, 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 to me, I think Ja'Cory Williams deserves it. But, again, it goes into that – that newcomer of the year that you talked about, that, that kind of uh, politics, I guess you can say, uh, you know, when it comes to player of the year in Conference USA. So let's go ahead and bring on our special guest that we have for y'all today. Uh, he is a he is SB Nation's bracketologist. Chris Doberton joins us. He is from bloggingthebracket.com. Like I mentioned, SB Nation's resident uh, bracketologist. Chris, what's going on, man? I really appreciate you joining us tonight. You're giving me a nice break from, from whatever this Virginia-Miami game that's on ESPN right now is, so I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys. 
Thanks, man. Thanks for the time. And, and you know, when we're talking about Conference USA, it's not so much, uh, you know, we're not, we don't have that, that three or four team where we're talking about every year, that three or four deep type of, of bracket. But there's one team, obviously, Middle Tennessee, with a, with a really sexy uh, resume, minus that loss to Utah. But just looking at, at, at Middle Tennessee, and we kind of talked on this earlier, we didn't want to kind of steal too much of the sign of our question we wanted for, to ask you, but we kind of feel Middle Tennessee runs the table the next three games. They may have locked themselves in as long as they make it to the Conference USA Championship. Is that kind of what you're seeing based on Middle's resume, or do they, or are they kind of still on the bubble? Yeah, they're definitely still on the bubble. I mean, it's 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 really curious to, to kind of think what, you know, they're going to need to have to get through. And I think they're probably going to need a little bit of help. I think that they need Vanderbilt to kind of pick it up a little bit in the SEC, which, you know, for a while there it looked like the Commodores were going to kind of be a, a serious at-large threat as well. And that would have definitely helped, you know, the Blue Raiders' resume out. But, but they've kind of slacked off a little bit. So if they can get back a little bit, that would that would be a big boost. I, it's it's a very strange season, and you, what I kind of want to have happen is for this to kind of be like the 2013 Middle Tennessee team or the 2012 Iona team there, where you know that the, the rest of the at-large pitcher is kind of a mess and, and the power conference teams are are really just, just kind of struggling. And, you know, we have just a lot of mediocrity, you know, when you think about especially the Big Ten the SEC and the Pac-12, we don't have really, you know, very deep kind of pools there. It would be nice to, for, for a team like Middle Tennessee to get the shot at an at-large, especially since they, you know, went out of their way and they, they built a nice regional schedule, you know, got a lot of decent teams, not really any standout teams, though, which I think is one thing that's going to hurt a little bit. But But if they can get a look, you know, when there's so many other just kind of average power conference teams out there, I think it would be very – you know, good for the sport. Hey, Chris, this is Dave with uh, the Daily Dragon. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, you, you hit a couple notes that I really do want to talk about. And uh, the first being one of the last mm-hmm. things you said, uh, their non-conference schedule. And, and I agree with you, and they did keep it rather regionally. Uh, if I'm not yep. mistaken, I think they, they didn't really even leave the South for the most part. Um, and, and they had some – I had an, uh, uh, an off, off – um, campus tournament over in Nashville that wasn't even televised that they played in that he won but what they did do if you looked at let's let's just use Ken Palm numbers if you will Mm -hmm. they didn't play they didn't play any team that was higher than 220 and that's not something that you see very often with mid-major teams you know and uh and that that team that was close to 220 was South Alabama and they went on the road and played them but what was what was the most impressive impressive for me was the two SEC team uh, wins, and uh, and one being Vanderbilt. Can you imagine a scenario where Vanderbilt's in, and let's say Middle Tennessee's not in after what we all saw? I, I mean, I imagine you being you know, appreciating college basketball as you do, seeing Middle Tennessee just pummel them in Murfreesboro. Can you imagine a scenario where that happens? That's the thing. That's the thing that worries me a little bit is, is, you know, we have the roadmap that we didn't have in years past where we had the selection committee give their little preview of the top 16 of the bracket. And Granted, they didn't go all the way down and, and, you know, examine the bubble like we would have liked, which would have been probably more helpful. But one thing they really kind of focused on from what you can see from the top 16 is that 
top 50 wins and top 100 wins are going to be at a premium for them. That, that's going to be one of their main points of emphasis. And this is what worries me a little bit because I look at Vandy's profile right now, and Vandy is currently 4-7 and seven against the top 50, and they have nine top 100 wins. And you look at Middle Tennessee, and winning percentage, they do a lot better because they're 4-1 and one against the top 100, but they only have two top 50 wins. And I really worry about if the committee's not going to dig deep when they look at these bubble teams, you know, and look, you know, Yep. At who those wins came against specifically, that could really hurt a team like, you know, Middle Tennessee that did so well on a percentage basis, you know, and the opportunities they did get when you compare them to sure. you know, Vanderbilt, who, you know, just, you know, struggled to get around 500. Chris Dobberton, the SB Nation, from SB Nation, joins us here to kind of break down Middle Tennessee and Conference USA uh I guess you could say their bracketology and where they sit, and there's only really one team. So my question to you, Chris, is this Conference USA after realignment? They've been together for a couple of years. Hell, we even mm-hmm. have a podcast now, you know, kind of, kind of just developing certain rivalries. And there's been a lot of talk, and actually this has kind of been done in the open. Tim Floyd, for one, has been say, talking about the bottom of the league needs to catch up for the top of the league. It's always been a, a league, a top-heavy league the past couple of years. It's been Louisiana Tech. It's been uh, UAB. It's been uh, Southern Miss, you know, when, when they were off probation under the Donnie mm-hmm. Tindall era. Uh, what does it have to take for this league to just really have two or three? Not so much. I mean, of course, everybody wants to have the four or five bids. Nobody's going to be the Big East. But what is it going to take for Conference USA – Talking more so out of conference, what do they have to do? Do the teams really have to schedule up at the bottom? Do they need more home games? Or what is going to happen for a, a, a 20 win Middle Tennessee State team and let's just say a 20 win Louisiana Tech team to get some sort of top 50, top 60 RPI love, uh, you know, come this time of year? It's really difficult when you're a conference like CUSA because. You know, you're in that weird spot where you're not exactly a low major and people are, you know, banging down your door for guarantee games. And you're not a high major where you're, you know, able to get, you know, when you're playing of your 13 non-conference games, you're playing 10, of them, 10 to 11 of them at home. It's, you're in that very weird spot. So it's kind of, you know, difficult to really say what needs to be done. I think that, you know, you see with a lot of the coaching changes that have gone on in the league, I think you have some hope there. But really, I think what these teams kind of have to do is they kind of really need to focus on kind of like what Middle Tennessee State did. Try to schedule as regionally as you can and get, you know, decent teams that are in your neighborhood and try to get set up home and homes with them, you know, over a two- or three-year basis. You know, and that really is probably your, your best key as opposed to, you know, scheduling a whole bunch of potentially body bag games either at home or, you know, offering yourself up as a sacrifice to, to power conference teams. That's a really, really great point, Chris. Um, and that, and that's something that's that's easier said than done is getting yeah. your your regional schedule in place like that. I mean, even Louisiana Tech, they had to go travel and play Cal at, at what would yeah. would have been like ten o'clock Central Time when they and they took that game to overtime. By the way, <laughs> that was that was one yeah. of the great games of Nove- of November. And um, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I think, like you mentioned, with coaching, I think we have. Uh, move forward with with some better coaching, uh, you know, maybe f- five, six, seven good coaches rather than just one, two, or three. I, th- I think that's really going to help the depth. But um, I- I'm really curious to see what with, with um, I'm going to follow Middle Tennessee really closely for the rest of the way, uh, just to see how they, as far as their their, their bubble perception goes. I, I think what it's going to take, in my opinion, I think they have to win at UAB this Sunday, 
And yeah. it's, it, it's, it's one of those things, and, and if you don't follow this conference closely and this quote-unquote rivalry of UAB and Middle, it's amazing that Middle, or, or maybe unfortunate, I guess is a better word, that they're, they're on the brink of possibly an AP top 25 ranking next Monday if they beat UAB. They would, mm-hmm. they would, they would win the uh, regular season title if they beat UAB on Sunday. The, what, I mean, what kind of pressure is that? That's what really separates these mid-major teams. This is a game – this is a program game for middle, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, and, and you kind of have to think about kind of the other side of it, too, is that, you know, it's almost a little bit of a preview considering where the conference tournament's held in Birmingham. Granted, it's off campus at the Legacy Arena and not on campus at Bartow Arena, but, you know, it's a nice little preview for the Blue Raiders to see if they can actually do what they did last year, which, you know, is run the table, you know, in the postseason. And, of course, UAB with the way they've been, you know, they, they kind of were one of those teams at the beginning of the year that I was kind of keeping an eye on as maybe being a potential threat to to the Blue Raiders for either, you know, the Conference USA title or potentially the at-large based on their schedule. And, of course, they didn't make it. So now no. they're going to want to play spoiler. <laughs> sure, sure. You want to finish finish this up here, Alex? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First of all, I want to thank Chris Dobberton. You've been listening to the man, the college basketball man over at SB Nation. Fantastic. Chris, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. We definitely got to have you on come conference uh, tournament time here in a couple of weeks, man. Thanks for your time. Be glad to join you again. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And my, my officially my first booked guest, to the CUSA Hoopscast. I'm uh, it's about, about six or seven, six or seven behind Dave. But you know, I, I had to bring something to the table. I I can't just sit here and eat all the all the great uh, grocery guests that he brings in. Uh, Dave brings in, but great to have Chris. <laughs> definitely, definitely gonna have to have him on either the week of conference. He was uh, conference tournament. It, yeah, I mean, because this is the guy I, I really, I, Joe Lenardi. You know what I mean? Fuck Joe Lenardi. Yeah. It's Chris Dobbinson, bro. <laughs> I may be SB Nation Man. biased on that, but that's, it's great to have Chris uh, join us and give us – make some great points about Middle Tennessee and, uh, you know, kind of just looking back at this weekend. I mean, we, we, we kind of touched on it last week. Louisiana Tech is quietly doing their thing, pretty much had that second spot, uh, you know, sold up. Also, Old Dominion kind of quietly doing their thing. I mean, was there anything else from last weekend that really kind of jumped at you and, and – kind of made a statement or, you know, do we kind of cover it all in that opening? And I think we need to talk about Old Dominion. I think they, de- they deserve a little bit of our time here. Uh, they they had that week-long break last week between beating UAB's ass back last couple Saturdays ago, and then they brought in Charlotte, who upset them in Charlotte a couple weeks ago, and they just pummeled Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's reeling right now. I mean, they beat beat Charlotte 72-48 in Norfolk. And um, I'll tell you who's really, really coming on as going to be one of the better point guards and or guards in general in the league is Ahmad Caver, that sophomore. Um, he had 17 been points. been talking about him a lot. Two, Yeah, man, he's he's good. And that's what they need. That's what they needed was, 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 was the point guard this year. That, when Trey Freeman and, and um, Aaron Baycoat left last year, that's what they were missing early on, like with that um, that tournament they were in in the Bahamas. And uh, you know, playing VCU and Richmond, oh, they beat Richmond actually. But um, this this is their missing piece. Brandon Stith is back in the lineup, playing 29, 30 minutes, you know, give or take. I mean, I mean, they're 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 as good or better than they were last year, and they made it to the conference tournament championship. So I mean, this is this is a really, really, really deep field 
that's coming into Birmingham in a couple weeks. I mean, we're talking like six, seven teams, maybe not seven, maybe six teams with UAB, you know, being towards the bottom uh, with Marshall, Rice, uh, Old Dominion, La Tech. I mean, UTEP, Middle Tennessee, dude, we need to get you on an airplane and get your ass in Birmingham so we can do a live hoops cast on that Monday. Shit, man. I asked the state of Texas to give me some days off. I'm lucky that I had this Monday off to take an afternoon nap. So <laughs> we'll definitely, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I like I like what you mentioned about Old Dominion. And this weekend it is definitely kind of a put up or shut up weekend, in my opinion. And in terms of you need to sweep Marshall, West Kentucky. Will it happen? I think so. I think that this team is, you know, they, they got tripped up when they played Ford Atlantic, and I think that really kind of hurt them, you know, going into the next week to, to lose at Middle Tennessee, and they were able to bounce back and, and whack UAB, like you mentioned. But, you know, this is a team that, that just like UTEP, just like La Tech, they they have their own they own their own destiny and I really think that they can handle Marshall and Louisiana Western Kentucky at home and then you go into UTEP and UTSA and that UTEP game is going to be a bloodbath first to fifty wins and I think Old Dominion does have those type of horses to be able to to go in there and, and knock off UTEP you know they're a little bit deeper than UTEP is you know, in terms of having that post presence, even though UTEP has grown it, but that right there, that's going to be a telling game. Cause I think, I really think old dominion handles business this weekend against Marshall and West Kentucky. I think West Kentucky can kind of match up with them better, but Marshall's going to get done. What's happened to them against, against Middle Tennessee, against UTEP, and even, you know, a couple possessions that I, that I can remember. I want to say going back to that first matchup with UAB, where they're just getting, we're just getting pushed around. And I think that's where you're going to see old dominion and definitely, a team that is worthy of some love, you know, heading the conference tournament because it is deep at the top, like I mentioned, in terms of contenders. But, I mean, in my mind, Louisiana Tech and Middle Tennessee, they just can give teams problems with their athletes that they have, with the dudes that they have. And that's something that you're definitely going to have to keep an eye on in Birmingham. So this week, a, a kind of a, a different schedule once again with the Sunday. It always throws me off. I don't even know if we mentioned about the Sunday last week. I know we previewed that West Kentucky UAB game, but uh, yeah, looking did. at this week, look, looking ahead on the Thursday slate, what kind of jumps out at your mind real quick when, when you're looking at Thursday slate coming up? It's got to be Marshall Dominion, 7 p.m. Central Time game, uh, because Old Dominion really let one get away from them when they played in Huntington last month. That was the game that Brandon Stith got hurt in, um, like, 12 minutes in I remember watching that game before hours started and um Old Dominion got off to like a 15 to nothing run at Marshall's place like they just were getting anything they wanted they were hitting threes just they look like what Marshall would normally look like and, and I think Old Dominion owes them one Old Dominion's really really got all the right things happening at the right time with them their schedule's lining up accordingly to um the, the, where they're positioned in the rankings at third they can kind of knock off uh, a couple teams that are behind them in between now and Birmingham. That those being Marshall and UTEP, I like I like their chances of maintaining where they are. Um, defense, uh, they're they're a true defensive team, uh, and I and I, I kind of group UTEP in that in that group too. They're a team that their defense is going to travel no matter where they play, so they're gonna, always going to be in the game, and um, that that's the game I'm going to be watching. The rest are. I guess so-so throwaway. I would keep an eye on UTEP at, at FAU just because I, FAU is, I mean, we've seen what they can do. We've seen them blow out, you know, a crappy team like Southern Miss in, in, um, 
in Hattiesburg. We've also seen them beat Ohio State. I mean, the last thing UTEP wants to do is get down there and get in a shooting battle with a team that won't even attempt to get in the paint. It just wants to shoot a shitload of threes, you know? And that's a big worry because last time, you know, that was kind of their key, that corner three. Damn, who's that guy's name? Troutman? Troutman was ridiculous. Oh, Troutman, and he went off last week. Yeah. He went off in Southern Mass, so you better watch your ass, man. that's kind of a next, he's an X factor for them when he's hitting from the corner, particularly because it seems like that's where every, every time he, if he gets an inch in the corner, a half an inch, he's pulling. And that is something the volume mm-hmm. shooters have gave UTEP's problem. And particularly not in this rise game. Like I thought it was, I thought, you know, they, they do, they did a great job of being able to limit those touches, whether it was shading, whether it was a one, three, one, whether it was that point zone. And that's going to be a big key for UTEP, uh, you know, to really, really be able to, to kind of slow that down. Uh, I think FAU and FIU and UTSA will be a, a good game in terms of just being competitive. Nobody gives a shit about that one. Uh, but no nope. way. And also, <laughs> t- talking about let's talk about Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech has a really, really interesting weekend. They'll go to, to North Texas on Thursday. I still think that North Texas at home, if they play the way they played against UTEP, they're going to give anybody fits. But that Saturday game against Rice, Again, not on TV. Damn you, Conference USA TV deal. But Louisiana Tech, to me, has the most important weekend in terms of statement. And when we talked about them controlling their own destiny, if this Louisiana Tech team is for real, they're going to sweep both North Texas and Rice, but I don't think that's going to be easy. What do you think about that Saturday game? Yeah, it's almost like uh, the, the, everyone's like chalking up Louisiana Tech just to win the rest of the games the rest of the year. Uh, that's a really, really, really big game at North Texas. It's not a sexy game, so I didn't mention it first. Yeah. But uh, Louisiana Tech, they lost that game in, in Denton last year. Mm-hmm. They lost it on some, mm-hmm. um, some, some late free throws. Um, Decky Johnson just gave them fits last year. And, uh, heck, I, I, I've been, I, I, that's probably the, 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 the least close – uh, conference team I've been following the last couple of weeks. I can't even tell you if Decky's like even um, on the lineup anymore. He's he was injured. injured in December. Yeah, so yeah, I don't so know, man. Like, I, I, yeah, we're, like we've banned North Texas from our podcast for the most part. So, yeah. but 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 you like, man, you saw firsthand. Uh, I mean, if, they, if they're going to go out there and give a defensive team like uh, a UTEP trouble, they're they're certainly going to give Louisiana Tech trouble. It, I'm going to watch. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Um, but I don't think that's where they're they're going to get um, in in real trouble. I think where they're going to get in real trouble is in Houston on Saturday, and that's a game I want to talk about when we when we go to these Saturday games. No doubt about it. Let's get there. We're already there. I mean, that that's a to me Louisiana Tech. What I've when I've been kind of worried about them is their motivation factor to start off games and. North Texas, kind of the same deal with UTEP. They caught them sleeping in the fast break. Same thing with Rice. Rice is a team that I think that's going to be a big tempo game. Whoever can can execute, not so much play. I talked about when I when I'm talking about UTEP, I always talk about playing at a level, a high level of tempo or a low level of tempo. But I think whoever executes their tempo, Louisiana Tech is kind of that two pass shoot team. Rice is the same way. They have two guys that can get their own points, you know, with that ability. But this is going to be a game which any team controls their tempo. And I like Rice bouncing back. I think Rice should be able to bounce back Thursday against Southern Miss. I wouldn't want to be Southern Miss on Thursday playing Rice coming off that UTEP mm-hmm. loss. I think Rice is hell no throttled Southern Miss. That's going to set up, like I mentioned, whoever can execute their tempo, and not only on offense but on defense, I think he's going to have that upper hand and be able to build that five- to seven-point lead going away. 
I kind of want to lean to Rice on this one because I just think they're going to be riding off a lot of momentum, thrashing Southern Miss. But how do you see this Louisiana Tech-Rice game going down? This is going to be a game of guards, even with Eric McCree on the court. Uh, the reason why I think it's going to be a game of guards is I think they're really, really, really going to take him out of the game. I think they're going to put, I think they're going to put Igor on him at times. I think they're going to put just a bevy of, uh, you know, just physical guards. Yeah, physical is probably a stretch for for Rice guards, but I think they're really going to pressure them. I think they're going to get inside them. Uh, I think Rhodes is going to pull some old VCU tapes out when he when he was with Shaka. I think they're going to get out there and they're going to make Daquan Bracy make. Um, uh, Boykins, make them work for it. And at the end of the day, I think Rice is going to go out there and they're going to gun for them. I think they're going to try to outshoot them. I think they're going to totally sell out of the paint. They can't guard or run. You know, they can't they can't beat Omar Sherman and, and McCree inside. They're going to go out there and they're going to shoot a shitload of threes. And and, and Rice has got to back uh, got to bounce back at some point. We know how good Igor is. We know how good Evans is. They I mean they don't go two three games without having you know great nights. I think this may be the night that they come out and they really put things together and maybe, you know, score 80, 85 points. But conversely, LaTeX wins this game. We got a legit team here. We got like a team that could potentially have an NIT like type resume if they if they can win out the rest of the season and you know, maybe string off a couple games in the conference tournament. I'm going to uh, ask you this scenario talking about the Marshall Thundering Herd. We talked about their Thursday game tough game against Old Dominion. I'm putting the probability that this Marshall team could be at 500 after the end of this weekend with that Saturday game at Charlotte at about 75% chance that this Marshall team that a couple weeks ago gave Pitt hell, gave another Power 5 team hell, came into conference play and just was mopping the shit out of everybody. Now, there's, like I said, a 75% probability that they can go in and struggle offensively against a, a very good defensive team against Old Dominion, and the wheels could really fall off at Charlotte if they don't recover enough after what I think should could be a handily beatdown against Old Dominion if you mention them, guys like Carver step up and Old Dominion's able to kind of score and kind of really put Marshall away. But that's going to be a, a really, really interesting fall. And we've talked to Doug Smock. We've talked amongst ourselves. You know, that loss of, of Chris Duhon, we, we kind of joked about it. We didn't know how big it was. I think it's starting to rear its ugly head, particularly if they lose these two very tough road trips. Two games on the road, this two tough, this back-to-back road trip, who Doug Smock said, we're going to learn a lot about this Marshall team during the swing. So th- this Charlotte Old Dominion uh, road swing has become one of the more interesting ones because it's such a mm-hmm. contrast in style. Like the the UAB and middle road swing is always terrible because they just beat the hell out of you. They're so, they're two two physical teams with powers you know power level type players. But what you get with Charlotte and Old Dominion is you have to just scheme for the, just two completely drastically different um, personnel. I mean Charlotte's got two three four guys in the court at all times that can really really shoot the three very well and they can beat you off the dribble dribble and then Old Dominion will just beat the hell out of you in the paint like it did. That's what happened when I when, when, at, at Birmingham when UAB hosted these two. We I mean we handled Charlotte perfectly. We had like fifty two fifty four points in the paint and then Old Dominion came in town and we were like oh shit this is like nothing like we've seen and how do we guard these guys all these six eight six nine you know, power forwards, there's like eight of them for Old Dominion. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine a scenario where 
Marshall does any better than splitting this. I think they 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 could uh, potentially beat Charlotte on the road, but I, I, mean, I just don't see them beating Old Dominion. They just they just don't. Old, Old Dominion is just just too well coached, too disciplined, and they're trending too well in the right direction. Uh, I'll be shocked if 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 they're ten and uh, ten and six at the end of this week. And I think realistically, they're they're we're talking you know. Um, Eight and eight, or you know, nine and seven, um, in, which is going to you know give UAB an opportunity to jump in front of them with, with having the week off if they can you know finish strong. So that's something to keep an eye on right there. I mean, that that Marshall's road trip is really going to show us if, if 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 they're the real deal type of a, you know top five type of team. Totally agree, and I, I put high odds that they do end up uh, definitely at eight and eight. So your Thursday and Thursday and Saturday viewing options. Only uh, option on Thursday for your TV is Marshall at Old Dominion. That's on BN. Shout out to Andreas Espinosa. Saturday, Marshall at Charlotte <laughs> on American Sports Network. And then Western Kentucky and Old Dominion at ESPN3. And then Sunday, ooh, I know I had to save Dave a dun, whole, dun, dun, lot, whole segment for this one. It don't matter what the records are, I think, with these two teams. I mean, the gloves come off. You know, like you said, I like, I love that term that you use, program, game, program. I talk about it more in football, uh, particularly high school football. You know, when I cover high school football, I like to use that term, program, game. But you hit it right on the fucking head, my dude. This is a – Kermit is going to have his boys fired the hell up. You know, I really hope that UAB fans could show up. I know I don't know how that demographic is for a Sunday one o'clock afternoon game. I, I would like them to think a Saturday primetime game with with, with bring more. Head, but yeah, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. I'm, think, I'm 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 thinking ahead. I'm trying to put myself in Central Time. So a noon game in Birmingham. First of all, before you break into to that, is that is was that kind of hurt of that rowdy crowd that probably going to need against Middle Tennessee, or is that something that only UTEP fans kind of bitch about? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I mean, we bitch about it, too, but you're not going to get a crowd. I mean, you're not going to I – mean, we'll have the, probably the same attendance that we had for Marshall like a month ago. Uh, crowd's not going to be a factor here. This is this is going to be decided on the court. Uh, granted, it, I mean, Eson may be able to pull up some kind of scheme with students and things like that to get a decent student section. That's one thing we have been able to do a couple times, you know, get a couple 2,000 students there. But being a CBS sports game, that may kind of intrigue them to get out, you know, of their of their dorms after being out all night on Saturday night. But um, I, I'm psyched about this game, man. I, I think it's it, – it, I don't think – like like I'm like I was saying a minute ago, I don't think the crowd or the atmosphere is going to decide this one. I think this is going to be a grown man game decided on the court. And I, and I think this is going to be a really high-level basketball game. I think we could be talking, like, overtime, multiple overtimes, which kind of like UAB and um, UTEP, UAB and uh, Middle Tennessee, they love to play overtime too. I, I, I don't think the records are going to mean anything. I think UAB is going to come out there, and I think they're going to, they're going to play the game they want to play. I think they're going to press. I think they're going to get middle out of what they're comfortable doing. And uh, and I think it's going to be a chess match. I think it's going to be you know the the older seasoned Kermit Davis against the young man Rob Eason with his back against the wall with the tournament coming to his place in a couple of weeks. Uh, you got to be watching. Tell me you're going to get up in El Paso. You know you, you know roll out of your bed after you know being. I'm sure sure you'll be out all night too, right? So tell me you're going to get up and watch this game. I, I don't like commercials, so I, I will not get up to watch this game, but I will DVR it, and like I did UAB Western Kentucky. That's terrible. As soon as, as soon as I'm awake and as soon as I have 
a little coffee, a little morning coffee, afternoon coffee, I will get to it. But, uh, you know, you brought up just so many damn great points about that UAB Middle Tennessee State game. Everybody wants to see Middle Tennessee. Oh, let me rephrase that. Everybody that wants to see Conference USA have that unquestioned, you know, on the bubble team wants Middle Tennessee to lo- to win this game, but I think this is a, a tough game for Middle Tennessee. What is that X factor for UAB? Is, is it a guy like uh, Dirk Williams being able to knock down shots? Chris Copley? Does William Lee have to play a complete game? What is that X factor that you know you mentioned that chess match? What is something you think that Kermit Davis either won't be prepared for or won't be able to stop if it shows up and helps UAB kind of get over that quote unquote hump? I think this is going to be kind of an uh, – uh, uh, it's going to nullify themselves in the, in, in, as far as the interior goes. I think you're going to see good, solid games from both. And we've talked about these guys. I'm not going to sit out and, and rattle off their names. These are two front courts that are they, – they're played at a high level when they play up to their potential. And middle has been. Yeah, just, they're a bunch of fucking dudes, yeah, for sure. But I think what you're going to see here is I think you're going to see a couple senior uh, guards of the UAB – who are just not ready to just let Middle Tennessee take the crown. I think you're going to see Dirk Williams. I think you're going to see Hakeem Baxter, that Philly dude. He, hell, he may even bring in some brass knuckles. You don't even know. I, I mean, he's <laughs> going to be all up in Tyreek Dixon. He's going to be all up in all of their guards, man. I think we're, I think we're going to be doing full court, quarter, quarter, uh, three-quarters court press. I think, And that's something we haven't been doing lately. We've just – Man, I don't even want to get into the, what our schemes have been of late, but uh, I, I think we're going to go out there. I think we're going to put it all on the court. If we get burned a couple times by Giddy Potts on a long pass and he drains a three, um, it's so be it. Or, you know, maybe Ja'Cory or Reggie get a, you know, a breakaway dunk, so be it. But we're going to get out there and we're going to put it all on the court. I really think they're going to use this week off here, which couldn't have happened at a perfect, more perfect time. I think they're going to find that urgency again because this is an older team. And, yes, we're, our statistics, like I wrote about in an article today, yes, we suck in so many areas that we should be good at. But, hell, I mean, what better time to start being good than, you know, late February going into March? Let's get hot. Let's get it going. UAB is about to remind Middle Tennessee why they've won five of the last six games Ooh. because UAB owns Middle Tennessee, and they're going to win this game, and they may even win this game by double digits. Damn, wow, that's – God damn! Dave putting his nuts on the on the computer right now. <laughs> before before we end this out, though, I, I gotta ask this question. I, I'm just I, I'm, I just want everybody fired. Like you lose a game, you're fired. And I know I got a little bit of, of reaction. What the last time that that I questioned the Rob Father's job security, but if, if UAB doesn't quote unquote show up. Not necessarily saying, you know, that they don't give Middle Tennessee hell. They don't give themselves a chance to win. If they don't show up and they just get wiped off the floor of Middle Tennessee, which isn't going to happen, but if it does, does the approval rating for the Rob Father kind of turn a little bit? I've been trying to get this out of the UAB fans just because I feel like at times I feel like the dude could be in over his head. But is is this going to be something that could kind of turn them south, turn, turn the fans kind of south on him? Just a little bit if they don't show up in this game. Like I said, not so much just beating them, but just being able to show up and play that UAB type of style that can give Middle Tennessee issues. I just can't imagine a scenario where we don't show up like, and make it really competitive. I think fans would be happy with something like – now. But, you know, obviously I was talking shit a minute ago, 
but I think UAB fans would be somewhat content with like a one or two possession game loss. I mean, just you know, just be out there and be competitive and show that we right, still you know exactly. have the players and we have the yeah we you know, we we built a program that is not notches and notches below Middle Tennessee that we we're you know we're just kind of having a personnel issue this year that the the uh, the the planets aligned in a negative way for us we lost Nick which. I hate talking about that shit. I hate making excuses. But we also had a lot of other things that that, that people did, don't talk about a lot. We had a couple guys who were going to redshirt, and a couple did. And mm-hmm. our, we went from being one of the deepest teams to one to being one of the most unprepared in terms of our roster teams because of the injury. Uh, we had got uh, it, it's just a mess, man. But no, I don't, I don't think in any in any situation that I can't I, even if he lost the next four games, including the, the first game in the tournament. I think he, his He's fine. He's got a pass because Nick is out. And, I mean, I mean the biggest thing is they, they don't want to get rid of a guy that we all preached to hire right. so we wouldn't lose personnel. We didn't want to lose Chris Coakley and Lee. And we didn't want any of those guys, you know, you know, you know bail out. So well, he's good there. But um, Sunday's going to be crazy, man. Sunday, everyone's got a lot to lose Sunday, and that's what you want on a game this late in the year. All right, I'll ask my – Rob Father job security questions next year when UTEP goes in and knocks off UAB. But anyways, uh, shit. <laughs> so I remember the last time. Got, what was the last time y'all won in Birmingham? Like fifty years ago or something? <laughs> shit, I wasn't even in the womb, bro. No, so now y'all won in double overtime with Derek Character, baby. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that season. Was, I still get goosebumps on that season. I wasn't even living in El Paso, but. Either way, uh, man, we got one more regular season show left coming for you. Well, let me see. Do we, yeah, we do. I mean, we, we, technically, that's kind of got to figure that out. That's going to be a, a conference USA tournament preview, however it is. Uh, but we'll be here, so it won't matter. Of, yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But definitely <laughs> next week, our last regular season show. It's gone by, uh, you know, everybody always, the, the cliche, oh, it's gone by real quick. I think it's gone by and at a perfect time. Teams starting to really form themselves, trying to show themselves, saying one more weekend, bro. And, and when, when the first time that, that when you pitched me this podcast, I was just like, oh, dad, we got to go big for that Conference USA tournament. And if that involves Hell me yeah. getting on a plane and flying to Birmingham, it could possibly happen. I'd see how, see how my boss thinks about Let's that. Let's do it. Either Either way, man, one more show to go in the regular season. Dave, it's always a pleasure, my man. Enjoy the games this weekend. Should be interesting. Everybody tune into that UAB Middle Tennessee State game. Let's get some damn eyeballs and show CBS Network that, hey, you could put a little bit of TV ratings up, right? <laughs> yep, yep. So for my man Dave West out in Birmingham, it's your boy Alex Nicholas out here in El Paso. Episode 12 of the CUSA Hoops Cast is a wrap, y'all. Peace.